Hello Life Changes Church, welcome to our YouTube channel. We have got an amazing word prepared for you, so why don't you take out your notebook and your pen as we get ready to listen to what God has for us. I want to jump on because there's things stirring. It's two weeks ago, see the new, and God speaking from Isaiah about this. God speaking his word to a people years ago, but speaking to us again, I'm about to do something new, see. Which is, and then he challenged, do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? What's getting in the way of you seeing it? And then we get a man like Terry Virgo, who in the, in the, in the late 50s gets filled with the Spirit of God, encounters incredible gifts like John Wimber, and gets commissioned out of a small town in the south of England, Brighton, where actually out of that town has come lots of confusion and lots of chaos for lots of different reasons. Comes a man named Terry and, Wendy, and his wife, Wendy Virgo, full of the Spirit of God, and you know the amazing thing, and I didn't want to boast about him last week. He's that kind of guy who will rebuke me for being too nice. So stop. But out of the ministry of Terry and Wendy Virgo, there's been about 1,500 churches planted around the world. This gracious, soft-spoken gentleman because of a burning fire inside of him. And so when we come to worship, it's because we desire the burning fire of God. And I want to stir that, encourage it this morning, and remind us that God is saying, he says, actually, but forget all that, he says in Isaiah 43. He, he speaks about the waters being parted, the miracles he's done, saying, but forget about that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway in the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. You're struggling for a vision. You're struggling to see how you can get through and out of life, situation, circumstances. Well, we worship a God who makes rivers in a dry wasteland. Not just excitable Christianity or religion. No, this is who God speaks about himself. It says he's a self-revealing God to you and I and says, I want you to partake. Do you not see it? It's the challenge, and we've got to look forward, we've got to look to him, we've got to see the new that he's doing. And maybe some of you, again, in your reading plan, like me, you struggle to go Genesis X, and then you get to Leviticus, you're like, oh, let's go to those examples. Well, I want to read from Leviticus, this incredible challenge to God's people, the Israelites, in Leviticus 26, um, verse 9 says, I will look on you with favor and make your, you fruitful and increase your numbers. And I will keep my covenant with you. This is God speaking his promises to his people. He says, you will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. It's a hard thing when, when you've got something good and you're feasting on it. It's resourcing you. The hardest thing is to let go of that and push it out the door so you can make more for a harvest that's still coming. God's challenging these people, and I believe he's challenging us today as he's spoken words of prepare the bonds and other words to our hearts, to our lives, to not just us as a church, but to you and I as individual sons and daughters of the living God that actually we can go so satisfied with yesterday's harvest, yesterday's meal that God provided, that we don't make space for the one he wants to pour in today. And you know what happens with yesterday's meal? We'll just go ask the Israelites. It goes fruit. It just does. I'm called to be someone who trusts God for my daily bread, today's bread, today's life, today's spirit, today's joy, today's portion from my Father. And I'm, God is challenging us and calling us to be a people who aren't satisfied with last year's harvest. You see, you can work it for a while and you can spin it and you can make it go for a while, but if you're not making room for the new harvest that God wants to bring in, 
It might even look new. It might be different in taste. It, it might have a different profile, but God is speaking. And I want to take us to a scripture today that comes from an interaction between Jesus and John the Baptist, where John says, actually, what are you doing here, Jesus? Because Jesus is kind of living his life. So the background is John is in prison. He's been put in prison because he's challenged um, Herod Antipas, the, the Tetrarch of Galilee, about his various sins, including one of taking another wife and challenging his things. And so he's been put in prison. And while he's in prison, his disciples are coming and visiting him. And they're saying, yeah, that Jesus guy, that Jesus guy who's getting so much, that Jesus guy who's doing miracles, that Jesus guy who you told us and endorsed his ministry, he's not living like you, John. See, John was this ascetist. He'd, he'd taken a, a lifestyle where he'd taken the religious, of the, the, the lifestyle of the Pharisees and put it on steroids. He says, if you can fast, I can fast better than you. If you can live a life of minimal things, I can do it better than you. I'll live out in the desert, out in the wild, like a wild man, and I'm going to live this lifestyle. And the challenge is, it says this in, in Matthew 11, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But his wisdom is proved right by her deeds. So you get this contrasting picture, Revelation. John, chosen a lifestyle of fasting, which is good. It wasn't bad. It was good. And Jesus comes and says, actually, he challenges it. And, and they go back and they say, how come? Um, how come your disciples and you, Jesus, are they, this is John's disciples, come back to him. How come you carry on? You're meeting with people. You're eating. You don't seem to be fasting as much as the Pharisees. Surely we should be doing it more. Jesus says, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. And he offers them something of a parable to give insight to what he's talking about. And we need to get a revelation of this parable. And this is the parable. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Matthew 9. Maybe... You don't know what's going on here. Well, let me explain. Years ago, I had my favorite pair of black chinos. Skinny chinos, as we were rocking in the day. But they worked in summer and then winter with rusks, and Milo came. And one day, before this little step was built, I used to have to step from the ground onto that stage. And as I stepped up, I just heard... <laughs> but only I knew... He just stood, you didn't turn around. Send everyone home while you're still standing on stage, Baba. I thought, no, I love these pants. So what are we going to do? My wife took them into one of the amazing tailors, and they, they took a piece of fabric and sewed it on. How long do you think that lasted? It didn't last. Didn't last. Two weeks later. It was devastated. The challenge is that you can't take, and as these people would have known, because the fabrics of the day would have had less elasticity in it, they would have known that you can't take a fabric and sew it onto another item of clothing. It will rip. You have to start again. And then Jesus takes the parable on and uses another picture. He says, but there's this greater image that I need you to get, that with wine, there's a fermentation process. 
And, and so new wine is actually young grapes that are put into a vine, and then they put into a new wineskin. A wineskin is like a pup suck, but leather, and it's, um, it's <laughs> not the same thing, but similar. And, um, and, and leather, goatskin, sheepskin, they put it together, they, 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 and, and then what happens is as the wine ferments, it expands, and the leather grows with it. Once that process is done, you can't now pour that wine out and put new wine in that hasn't gone through the fermentation process into that same vessel, that same carrier of the, of the wine. You just can't. Because what will happen is that wine will want to grow, but it can't. And the wineskin will tear. And ultimately, the wine will be wasted and fall on the ground. So Terry comes and he speaks last week out of John 2 about Jesus turning water into wine. We've been hearing about God saying, I want to do something new. I believe God is wanting to do something new with us. And he's challenging us that he's wanting to pour out his wine. He's wanting to pour it out. Take the image of water. In God's in that Isaiah 43 challenge, we see Jesus saying, but I was the one who took the waters, parted them so you could walk right through and I covered over your enemies. Forget all that. Why forget all that? Because there was a greater miracle when you were thirsty in the desert and you had no water. I brought water from a rock. Now, what if those people had said, but God, why would we want water from a rock? We like the one where you parted the water. When you're in the desert and you're thirsty and you're dehydrating and you're dying, you don't need water parted. You need water from a rock. And we struggle to understand because we struggle to grow in all that God has for us. And I'm telling you, there's a challenge in this. And I just want to bring a couple of simple challenges because John who was this man who loved God, understood it, had to be taught by Jesus so graciously that there's a greater life with Christ, where he pours out his spirit. And you can't take the kingdom of God and the arrival of Jesus and simply put it on top of religious traditions, of your way of life, or even just your preferred way of life. It's not just, come Jesus into my story. It's a bit stretched and there's a lot happening. No, there we are the wineskins that hold the glory of God, the challenges, we are described as the, the ones who the potter comes and forms out of clay. We are the clay. We are the vessels of his glory. That's how the Bible describes us. We are the same as a wineskin. We're just the carriers of God's glory. Maybe you struggle with that idea, but the Bible's very clear. God pours his glory into his sons and daughters. But if we get stuck, like John got stuck in the traditions of the Pharisees, saying, hang on, Jesus, I don't think you should be doing this. He says, you obviously don't know who I am. I'm the God of heaven. I spoke and it was. If I want to declare that you cannot pour it, I promise you it's because there's life there that needs to come and needs to flow. and needs to flow in our lives. It's the same for us. Our lives, our past, our thoughts, our ways, our habits. God cannot fit his life as an extra into our story. The vessel breaks. We struggle. Is that all right? Is that making enough sense to you? And so as a vessel, as much as the wineskin was a vessel for the wine, and the wine is what is precious in that story, we are vessels of God's glory, and God wants to pour his glory. We sing it. Candace spoke about it. You have to understand that God is wanting to bring some ability change. When you say, well, I can't change my wineskin. No, you can't. I'm going to explain to you what I think some of those wineskin realities are. I, I've heard wineskin spoken about, about the way of doing church for most of my life. I've never really allowed it to land in my own life, in my own soul, in an ability in a way that calls me to respond to the Spirit of God so that I can grow as God pours. 
But God wants to pour His Spirit into you. I'm telling you, it's going to demand some, as time goes, there's not the fermentation process of natural wine, but there is the fermentation process of God's glory in our lives. It's called the, the challenge of God bringing down the mountains and raising up the valleys so His glory can come in our lives. That's what He's called, you and I too. Not to more meetings, not to doing things the way that have been done in the past. And there's a warning in this parable that if we don't adapt as vessels becoming new, See, God is the one who takes old things and makes them new. He doesn't just upgrade them. He's not, here, here's Rory 2.1.1.1. No, it's, it's actually, here's Rory new in his presence, new in his grace, becoming new. Then we will taste the wine. I just want to speak for the next 10 minutes about unlocking the new wine. Because who's going, well, Mark, you've told us what the challenge is. I don't like change. I don't like change. I don't even like the saying, they sang a song this morning. I didn't know. That got me stumped. That's how we struggle with change. It's like some of the, the person who normally greets me at the door wasn't there. Ah, I understand that not everyone likes change. And the Bible says you're going to go on a journey. You think the greatest change was saying yes to Jesus. It's only just begun. Why? Because there's an eternal picture. There's a world to change. And I want to unlock some of those things because I want to unlock so the new wine can pour it in. And I just want to speak about three simple things today to almost make it quite practical for us. Is that right? The first is this, to unlocking the new wine, new thinking. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says, but his heart is not with you. There's a disconnect, and there cannot be a disconnect between what we think, how we think, and what we think about, and who we are. So if you want to unlock the new wine, there's got to be a connection and unlocking and a newness to our thinking. It starts there. Understand this, we are called believers. Why are we called believers? Because we believe something. And often the perspective of believers, well, they throw their thinking out and they just choose to, well, I, I, Jesus, take the wheel. That's, it's not that. It's totally, my mind is thinking, revolving around it. Jesus and his story and faith arises because the Spirit of God allows faith to come up and my thinking comes on a journey of falling in line with Jesus, his glory, his kingdom. So we aren't those who fall out. No, we are believers. And telling you, spiritual st stability in our lives is a result of how a person thinks. So if your thinking is blocked up, if your thinking is jammed, well, the challenge is the Bible has to come in with the Spirit of God illuminating and highlighting Jesus and clear out the way so there can be a flow. Understand this. The Bible speaks that we are vessels. In these vessels, there's got to be a flow. God pours in. So what? So that we can pour out. God pours in, and the more we pour out, the problem is if there's a blockage, and we become, well, God pour in. Either the vessel needs to break, or whatever's getting poured in will go fraught, or the flow in will stop. It's like the Dead Sea. No outlet, Dead Sea. No life. And the same happens with us. And so what's got to happen is there's got to be an unblocking in our thinking. And challenges, sometimes we come into church and go, well, I grew up, even this morning, maybe it's, 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 it's Jean-Monique and, and Wilfred. Who was that guy on the side? That's Jean-Monique's husband, by the way. Just enjoyed the donkeys. I was waiting for the hanky to come out. Where's the hanky? I want the hanky. But, but if you struggle, if you grew up in a very different church environment and there's a blockage in your thinking, you will struggle to receive the grace. Not the worship style. 
the grace. There's a difference. There's a big, big difference. Because I'm called to receive grace. And, and so we're instructed in the Bible to allow our thinking to be unlocked. Why? So God's new wine can come into our lives and it can flow out. It says this in Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, hashtag and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Why? Because those things are so foreign to the world. So we don't want to honor. We, 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 the world thrives on false news and taking people down. And it's all about Harry and his story. I don't care about Harry anymore, to be brutally honest. I, I don't need to know about the royals personally. I, I want to give myself to things that pull me into seeing Jesus more and becoming more of a vessel for Jesus. So I want to give my thought life to things that are true. What's true? What's true? If you were entertaining engagements and conversations in your thought life around the idea that there might be more genders, I would challenge you to go back to the Bible and says God made them male and female. Uh, and, and maybe say, Mark, that's fundamentalist. It's pretty fundamental to the gospel. The gospel's offensive, but the fundamentalism isn't. The gospel is offensive. But the Bible says he made them male and female. I don't need more than that. And so it determines my thinking. It pulls me, and I'm not getting confused and thrown around. It doesn't mean I've got to shout it out. It doesn't mean I've got to pick fights. It just means I've got to think about these things. That's all I'm saying. Why? Because there's got to be a flow in our lives. Some examples of these dangerous thinking is things like change is, is bad. Why? Because when I was a kid, we moved homes all the time, and it was always for the worse. Yes, that might have been the case. But when you read the Bible, when God brings change in our life, it's for more for his glory, for his grace, for his power, and for the betterment of his people. Otherwise, they would have just stayed in the desert. God took them out into a promised land. It says, the other changes in thinking, well, small is safe. If I just keep it small, if I just protect my family, if I just isolate your family, I'm telling you, if your whole agenda with children is to keep them safe from the world, you are setting them up for failure. Jesus didn't stay in heaven. Let's keep it safe. Let's keep it safe. He came into the womb of a woman, into the brokenness of a world to bring healing and wholeness. Teach your children, children that. Encourage them. Is that all right? I'm just literally throwing some thoughts out because this is where, and, and the number one killer and blocker in people's lives. Fear. Fear. Irrational fear that drives actions out of fear. And yet Isaiah starts, Isaiah 43 starts, do not be afraid, for I am with you. God knows that we fear. God knows that mankind has a default outside of his presence and a knowledge of his glory to default to fear. But I'm telling you, fear drives a blockage, a stopping of the outflow. Why? Because if I, if I let it flow out, will God flow in again? He says, no, you're not trusting my word. You're not trusting me. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. It's a spirit we take hold of, because it's not the spirit of the age. The spirit of freedom and life and joy is not the spirit of the age. The spirit of age is fear. It's all going to fall apart. It's all going to be chaos. Buckle down the hatches. Believe every negative word. Then. Why do you think false news travels so much? Why? Because it fuels our fear. And we're called to fuel our faith. So our minds have to be transformed. And, and if you want to know the will of God, go read Romans 12. 
challenge us. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because of his mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. Do not conform to the patterns of the world. Don't conform. Don't be conformed by the fears, the practices, and the pains of the world, but by the renewing, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It starts with our thinking. So how are you going to unblock? Starts with thinking, I need to move on. But God's calling us to be flexible containers, a new wineskin for his glory. Secondly, a new thinking. Secondly, a new heart. A new heart. What do I mean? And this I'll do simply and quickly. Yeah, we, we love that song. Hillsong wrote that song. In the crushing, in the pressing, you're making new wine in the soil. I now surrender. You are breaking new ground. The problem is, if it's just crushing and pressing without pushing into the Spirit of God and the healing that's available in Jesus, we just stay broken and crushed. And then we are perfect seed and soil for the enemy and his plans. In our marriage, in our life, in our call, in our business. And so God says, I want to pour in new wine. But he's saying, but the, the, the wineskin is crushed. Your heart is part of the wineskin. And it just can be one. And, and, and who doesn't want the more of God? But actually, I kind of like my pain. It's the story I tell. Ezekiel challenges us. In verse 26 of, of chapter, what is it, 32. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit, not a better heart, not an upgraded heart, not a, a slightly healed heart, no, a new heart. And I will give you a new spirit. That is available to us. I'm kind of just throwing that at you consistently. Why? Because I need you to believe his word, his ability to do it. You say, Mark, you don't know my story and the pain. I, I don't. But I can't let you stay there because the gospel never lets anyone stay there. See, there was a woman who'd been abused year and year and year after she was about to be stoned. Jesus says, actually, go do no more but be free. He gets in the dirt of her life. He'll do the same with you. So why would I limit the gospel's ability to move stones away so that the life can come? It's, it's, it challenges us. And the challenge comes in here after that verse. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone. And I will give you a heart of flesh. I'll remove the stones that get in the way of your heart. I, I want to pour new wine in you so you can love. Oh, but I haven't been loved. It doesn't matter. You are being loved. Because you are being loved, you can love. When you understand that, when you live that, I promise you, the stones go out the way so a flow can come in your life. And we start living how Christians are called to live. Not just holding on, surviving. How are you doing? Oh, oh. Oh. No, we're called to be alive. And sometimes it's messy, and sometimes it's got challenges, and sometimes what God's doing, I don't know, but it's sore. It's okay, because the God of heaven is doing it. He's stretching the wineskin of your heart so that he can pour more in. See, when we get old and we get a little crusty and we self-justify the fact that my heart can't get any bigger, I can't have any more friends. I don't really want to speak to him. I don't want to really deal with anyone who's got any issues. So God, if you could just give me people who've got no issues in my life. I'm going to search out a home group. Mark, are there any home groups in the life of the church where no one's got issues in that group? <laughs> There's not even a pastor like that in this church, I can promise you. <laughs> and now you want to find a whole home group. It's like God wants to pour his wine in, so we've got to deal with our unforgiveness. 
Stop justifying it. The Bible doesn't give space to justify unforgiveness. I love, love, love the fact that I challenged the church a few weeks ago in the area of unforgiveness in the area of these things. And so a lady who didn't have the finances, trusted God, booked a flight to Johannesburg on a morning, got on a plane, was in Joburg for four hours for a conversation with a family member she hadn't engaged with for years and got on the plane that afternoon and flew back down. Why? Because the word of God brings life and if you allow him, he'll empower the story and anything is possible. It's not on you. Unforgiveness and offense. Stop being offended, church. It's your choice. Yes, you can get hurt. Yes, people let you down, but it's still your choice to be offended by their actions. And there's no flow in offense. There can't be. Rejection issues, prejudices, brokenness, loss. Everyone loses. Jesus, the very picture of the gospel is a loss. The cross was a loss. Are you prepared to lose to win? Because with Jesus, you can lose sometimes. You can lose an argument. It's okay. You can lose a debate. You can lose, but lose to win in Jesus which looks like forgiveness, freedom, joy. How good it is to sing praises to a God. How pleasant and fitting is to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exile of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. This is who God is. He heals the brokenhearted. I'm not trying to minimize or diminish or make small your brokenheartedness. The Bible uses the very word, you might be brokenhearted, but he also says he's the healer of the brokenhearted. He's not limited in his ability. And then he binds. He binds up their wounds. He comes where there's no treatment of this world. He comes in and binds up their wounds. Why am I provoking these things? Why? Because God's told us to see the new. But there's no point seeing the new if we can't receive the new. The new wine, his spirit, his life, his freedom, his joy that he wants to pour in. I'm stuck. No, your wineskin is old. You need a new wineskin in your life, in your heart, in your thinking, in, lastly, your life. Just on that last one, I'm telling you, church, confessions of a pastor. There are too many wounded hearts running around in the church praying for new wine. God, pour out revival. On Sunday and Monday, spewing out unforgiveness, spewing out pain. Spewing, I'm telling you, it's not going to work. It just doesn't work. God sees through all of it. All of it. And lastly, new thinking, new hearts. Lastly, simply this, new life. Meaning your life, new under the authority of Christ. Terry told the story, I want your life and I want it now. And you can sit back and go, well, that's nice for him. It's the call for every believer. Everyone from the disciples, follow me. He didn't go, well, let's talk T's and C's. He just said, follow me. And too many Christians are trying to put T's and C's and terms and conditions in place. So Jesus, I'll follow you if. And he says, I didn't give you the if. I just said, follow me. See, when you follow me, you follow me in every area. And it's a challenge because as we navigate these lives, we understand that there's got to be an everything to this call. I'm telling you, church, we are in for interesting days. The days of the church being the nice guys are gone. You are the negative one in a conversation. 
You are the one that is seen as the pariah. You no longer have the moral standing because our failures have been challenged and thrown out across the world on social media as leaders have fallen and they, the challenges and concisions and, and divisions within the church have been exposed. So when the conversation comes up and, and the word Christian comes up, you're no longer, oh, wow. You're like, wow. So you've got to decide whether this is your life. Otherwise, it won't bring you life. You've got to decide whether Jesus will be your Lord and Savior, not your weekend habit. You've got to say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior in every area. So the, the word comes on our lives and says, oh, what do I think about my sexuality? And I'm going to decide my, let my four-year-old decide their sexuality. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish, church. I'm sorry, I'm not on a warpath. I'm angry because people are led into chaos by brokenness and lack of truth and lies that will lead to chaos. But the word of God is not a lie. My sexuality, my finances. You want freedom in your finances? Come under the authority of the word of God. Stop trying to find what you want to find on the internet because you will find it. You'll find it. Or go to the word of God. And if you don't know how to read it, get someone to come and help you through it. Say, show me the word of God so they can lead me to life. So that my life can come under the authority of God. In the areas of relations, my time, my talents, my treasures, my thought life, my future. Here's the challenge of the Bible, Acts 17 verse 1, verse 26. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times and histories and boundaries in their lands. What does that mean? Well, there's a theology of time and place. God has an interest in where you live and when you live there. Not just an interest, he's appointed it, which means you can go to him and search out his desires. And if you're struggling to have faith and courage for this land right now, go to God. Say, God, reveal to me your will. Why? Because God always sustains his will. Some of you are looking a little shocked. Will you stand with me this morning? I'm really excited. I'm preaching with passion because I, I believe and I know that the little moments and tastes of His glory that we have in worship together, like we have this morning, like we'll have tonight at worship nights, I know that there's more. Who wants more? Like more. I'm not talking about more hours of worship. I'm talking about more of God. I need more of God. I'm telling you. I, I, I need to, to drink and be able to live in the flow of God's flow into my life. And the key is surrender. It's navigating these things. You want to unlock the wine in your life? Well, you need new thoughts, which means you've got to surrender your thoughts to the Word of God and to His life and His truth. Because there's thoughts about yourself that are wrong, that you've believed for years because someone told you, but they don't line up with the Word of God. They don't line up with the promises of God over your life. They don't line up with His plans for your future. But if you believe them, you're saying, God, I reject that. I'm telling you. You know what happens? The flow of new wine has to stop. And then we come to, to areas of our hearts and we say, God, but I, that person did so much to me. The Bible says, church, it says you will become the prize. It says you will become those. It says there's going to be lying amongst brothers and sisters. It says that stuff. It's what the Bible doesn't hide from us. But your heart's still your heart. You still choose who's the king of your heart. So do I. And it's hard. It's hard. I'm not standing here saying, no, no it's broken me sometimes. Then I'm going to get back on my knees and say, Jesus, who are you? 
greatest false accusation that ever was was upon our Savior on that cross. You know what he said? Nothing. Nothing. He said nothing. He went to the slaughter like a lamb, silent. Why? Because he's perfectly satisfied in the love of his Father. We've got to become robust. And lastly, a new life. Challenge you. The gospel just doesn't work when we're trying to tap dance every dance and make it one of the tunes we're dancing to. It just doesn't bring life. When I, when I, I want to be liked by everybody, but I also really want Jesus to pour his grace. And I want to make sure that no one's offended by my story. Understand this, the gospel is the rock of offense. pray for us my provocation is this there's more what new does God want to bring in your thinking what newness does he want to do and bring in your heart today what newness in your life what is he calling you to surrender find freedom in life Jesus we love you we love you you love your people God oh you love your people you're speaking God and we want to be a people who when you move we move when the cloud shifts we shift when we uproot tents we disturb plans that we might have had because God's moving and God's on the move so we want to be a people who trust you right now in the areas of thinking if you're saying actually my thinking is stuck it's a statement someone said or in the area of your heart you're saying well that pain and that brokenness and that turmoil and that trauma has fashioned my heart now I want to allow introduce you to the one who heals and binds up the broken haunted if you're saying actually I know God's called things in my life but I'm walking another path and I want to surrender this morning if any three of those are your story will you raise your hands this morning I want to pray I think there's lots of people in the room there's lots of people Amazing. God, we just surrender this morning before your glory, your wonder, your majesty. We desire the new wine. We desire it. We long for it. The revival fires to burn, the, the freedom on our city and our nation. We long for these things, God. But we say, God, come in. Bring new thoughts, new thoughts. I declare new thoughts to the depressed this morning. I declare new thoughts to those that are burdened down by statements of 50 years ago. I declare new thoughts of a self, of the failures from decades past. I declare new life into, into lives right now where there have been decisions made. You can respond to Jesus. He is good. He is faithful. He is kind. Come, Spirit of God. We worship you, King worship you God. What an amazing, amazing word. If you would like to find out about what's happening in the life of the church, why don't you follow us on our social media, Instagram or Facebook, or you can go into our website, lifechanges.org.za. Thank you so much for watching that video. Be blessed.